Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are locked on bucks. Your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm Eric Name, and not joining me today will be Frank Madden. Um, I'm a little sorry for the delay. Um, I know we're going to release this a little bit later than normal, but uh, we had to figure some things out, and I'm doing this by myself, and it makes me super anxious. So hopefully this isn't terrible, and if it is, you guys won't tell me that it is. Uh, so so let's get into it. Uh, the Bucks last night end up winning against the Detroit Pistons, 102-89, and I guess where we'll start is the most obvious place with Michael Beasley and Greg Monroe. Beasley goes 10 of 13 from the field for 23 points. And to be clear, there were some layups, but it was a lot of the shots you normally see Beasley shoot, and they were just going in. He was hot. (laughs) Absolutely hot last night. Uh, So 10 of 13 from the field, 3 of 3 from the free throw line, 23 points, uh, 3 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 steals, 1 block, and he... He just dominated the game, and that's that's not something you often say for Michael Beasley, but it, it was absolutely the truth last night. And the fun part was after the game, I, I kind of knew I was going to get this answer when I asked this question, but I, I asked him, is is there something two nights like this? Does does the rim feel bigger? Does it feel like every shot's going on is going to go in? Uh, man, I've, I've been in this league so long. My shot has always been my shot, you know, so if it looked like I'm hot, then I guess that's a great thing, but, you know, just the flow of the game, just, just taking the right shots, so making the right. No, it's just, uh, I shoot a lot. <laughs> and that was it. Um, but you you can kind of just see it, and, and nights like that are the nights that remind you, oh, yeah, this dude put up 25 and 12 as a freshman at Kansas State University on his way to becoming the number two pick in the NBA draft. Like, he is insanely talented at bucket getting. He, that dude can fill it up any night of the week at any time. It, he he can just score the basketball. And, and I know uh, there's there's plenty of, of Beasley stands out there. I, I often joke with them on Twitter that everyone's been clamoring for him to start and for him to play more, and he's the guy that's going to fill Jabari's spot uh, now that Jabari's gone. And on nights like last night, you are 3,000% correct. That is exactly what the Bucks need, a guy that can fill it up, get a bunch of shots up, that's awesome. But there's nights where he doesn't do that. <laughs> um, there's nights where those shots don't fall. And there's nights where Beasley doesn't get three steals and doesn't get a block and doesn't appear to be engaged defensively. And those are the nights where you just have to say, all right, Michael, 
not going to be your night. We're going to lean on Mirza a little bit more. Um, we're going to lean on Thon a little bit more. We're going to lean on everyone else a little bit more. And those games have happened, and I guess that's kind of the, the struggle with Beasley is – is that consistency. And I think that's probably the reason why he's never really found a home in the NBA is that he's always been able to get those buckets, but he's never been able to lock in with that focus and bring it every single night defensively. And really to, to be a, a bigger part of a team, it, it's kind of a struggle offensively. The, the nights where it's not going well for Beasley, it can just kind of kill your offense because he's a bit of a ball stopper uh he's not gonna tend to make that extra pass sometimes he will but most of the time not it's gonna stop with him and then he's gonna go off the dribble maybe try a pull up um he's gonna try to make something happen himself and and that can stall out an offense so uh last night was one of those nights it it was awesome (laughs) it was great to watch and uh, it it was fun to watch it's those those nights remind you of the guy that everyone thought Beasley could be, and it was a ton of fun to watch. Um, let's go to the other positive of the night, Greg Monroe, 12 of 15 from the field, 13 rebounds, 25 points, two assists, three steals. I, I've been talking about it for a while. This Greg Monroe's playing the best basketball of his life right now, and and that's been clear in the defensive numbers, uh, he's been leading the league in steals per 36 minutes for centers. He's been in the top 10 for steals per 36 just for regular players. He's been he's been playing great basketball. Um, he, he's found his spot now. And the one sequence that really just sticks out to me was last night he gets a steal. And again, it was helping out on a ball handler and being able to hedge hard and kind of showing the thing that he struggled with most last season was coming out on those pick and rolls and trying to defend one. And this year he's just really used active hands and he's gotten big in passing lanes and he's got a bunch of steals. And last night was another instance. He gets the steal, then he starts the break and he works give and go with Giannis and finishes with an alley-oop dunk. Like I I didn't say that wrong. It it wasn't an alley-oop dunk for Giannis. Monroe was the one that finished it, and it, it was just so funny to watch. It kind of startling to watch those two running a fast break because Giannis is so fast, and you could see him, you know, bring it down a couple notches and say, "All right, I'm going to run with Greg here and see what happens." And it was a situation where it looked like Giannis had a dunk, but he wanted to reward Greg for making that play. And I, I think there, I've seen some people ask. Frank, I've had a couple people ask me, why was Giannis so passive last night? Well, Beasley and Monroe going 22 for 28 from the field, that's why he wasn't that aggressive last night. He saw them going in the early in the early start of the game. Beasley started off the game 5 for 5. So, all right, let's get Beasley going. And then all of a sudden when Monroe comes in, Monroe's cooking off the bench. So, all right, let's get him going. And you can kind of see Giannis, Giannis doesn't need to, to have those big nights for him. For us, I know after the game, Frank... Uh, someone asked us and said, oh, it's going to be a happy pod tonight. And I was like, 
for me, yeah, like it's good. The Bucks won, and that's something I can be happy about. But I don't know about Frank. And sure enough, uh, a few minutes later, Frank tweets out like, "I I've become such a Giannis and Thon fanboy that." I don't even know if I'm happy after this uh, to have the Bucks win because of Beasley, Monroe, and Tony Snell. I I, I don't even know if I'm happy, and it, it was just funny to to see because I, I think that's where a lot of people are, and I, I think so often in my mentions I get why is Giannis this or why is Giannis that, and the focus is so Giannis centric that everyone just kind of gets lost in. In, in their own thoughts that, oh, there must be something wrong with Giannis. Giannis is being too passive. Well, he's got two dudes on the team lighting it up. That that was Giannis's thought process, that these guys can win the game for us tonight, and they're going to shoot 80% from the field, so I'm going to let them do it. And to I guess to fans, it's thinking, oh, there's something wrong with Giannis. Giannis should be doing this, or Giannis should be doing that, when Giannis is just thinking, you know what? We can win the game this way, so I'm gonna let them win the game, and and that's gonna be great for us. So um, those two were great, Monroe. It's funny every time he plays the Pistons, he he happens to have a great game. Um, that that does not seem like a, co- a coincidence. Uh, after the game, I joked with Greg too that I've asked that question before. The, there's but last year he had a great game against the Pistons in Milwaukee. Earlier this year he was he had a strong performance against the Pistons as well. And after all those games, I always ask, you know, you're playing your former team. Does that mean something more to you? <laughs> Are you? Is that in your mind? Are you thinking, okay, well, I, I got to get back at this team and I, I got to let them know what they're missing out on and what they could have had and. And Greg is obviously not the not the type to say, "Oh yeah, I, I was furious. I I can't believe that that they let me go." And I, I even opened my question with that by saying, "Hey, I know you've shot me down on this two or three times already, but I'm going to ask it again. Does this game mean more to you?" And he demurred for a, a while, thirty seconds or so, and then at the end, he's like, "No, you know, it, it doesn't really mean anything more to me." And I asked. So this isn't a game you circled before the season? And he goes, uh, no, well, maybe the first one. And then just starts laughing. And and it was funny because Greg isn't that guy. Greg isn't the type of guy that's going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm furious that these guys tried to go cheap on me and made me take the qualifying offer and wouldn't give me that money and wouldn't give me that commitment. He's not going to be that guy. And I don't think anyone would expect him to be that guy, but I do think there is something to be said for when guys play former teams and kind of what happens and what's going on in your mind and what you're trying to prove and all those things. And I do think there's some of that, even though Greg won't admit it, no one would want to admit it, but those things do occur. So um, just interesting to hear. And yeah, it, it was, it was one of those nights that I totally get Frank's reasoning that, hey, I just want to see Giannis put up numbers, and I, and I want to see Thon play well, and I didn't get to see those things, so this win, I mean, what does it really mean? And I, I don't think that's crazy. It was kind of my reasoning for after the Spurs victory, why I wasn't that excited, was the Spurs game, Jabari was great for the first three quarters, and then... Fourth quarter, he doesn't close it out. They lean on Michael Beasley, and Michael Beasley wins the game. Okay, that's great, but 
how does Michael Beasley finding success help the Bucks? And that's the same question you're asking tonight. How does Michael Beasley and Greg Monroe finding success tonight help the Milwaukee Bucks going forward? And it would be tough to say that it does. But there were some other positive things in this game. After going four for eight from the three-point line last night, Tony Snell is now shooting over 40% from three. And you can just imagine how much that says about the way he's been shooting lately because he started off the season shooting around 29%. He has been unbelievable for the last two months shooting. And I know I tweeted it out the other week, but John Schumann from NBA.com, he always puts together some interesting graphics, interesting stats, and he showed the biggest improvements in effective field goal percentage this season. And Tony Snell is in the top five of that. And and it makes total sense. He's shooting 40% from three when for most of his career, I think it's been about 35%. He's shooting threes at a higher rate than he ever has before. And it's just kind of startling to see a guy that the Bulls had essentially given up on much in the same way that the Bucks had given up on MCW and they were willing to trade him for MCW and just they, they didn't have confidence in him. They, they didn't think that he could develop into what they wanted him to develop. And now in Milwaukee, Tony Snell has found a home. He's shooting 40% from three. He's defending uh, at, a, at a very high level. Man, what am I, Jason Kidd? Um, but yeah, he, he's defending at a very high level uh, this season, and he's just been—he's he, been great for the Bucks. And, and it's—it's just—I—I I said it on Twitter. It's a startling transformation. I, I'm very surprised by it. I did not see it coming, and he uh, before the season, I was—I joked that he's got to be a minutes eater. He's got to be a minutes eater until you get back to Middleton. Throw him out there for 29, 30 minutes tonight, and hope he can survive defensively and maybe hit a few threes and he's more than survived and he's more than hit a few threes he's he's in there actually making a difference and it's just been strange awesome weird beautiful whatever you want to say to see Tony Snell make this transformation and become the player that he's become for the Milwaukee Bucks now Obviously, as we've talked about, where that gets interesting is this offseason and kind of how much you end up paying them. And uh, the Bucks do tend tend to have the flaw, especially John Hammond, of overpaying some guys in restricted free agency. So we'll see if the Bucks can avoid that. But uh, Tony Snell certainly seems like a guy you'd want to have back on your team. And uh, whether or not Middleton, Middleton at some point this season is probably going to start over him. Um, and Tony Snell probably ends up coming off the bench. But now he doesn't seem like the worst guy to have there. If his three-point rate is going to stay high and his three-point percentage is going to stay high, uh, that's a guy that you would want on your team going forward. Uh, just depends how much money he's going to want in this offseason. So uh, that's one of the good things that, that I think happened in this game. And uh, again, it, it's tough to try to find other good things, but I thought Chris Middleton was great. 18 minutes. Uh, 11 points, three assists, two rebounds, and three for three from the free throw line. And it, it was just kind of, uh, there were moments where he looked very much like Chris Middleton. That That's more true offensively than defensively. 
Um, defensively, he's still a step behind. He, he's still trying to get his legs back underneath him. He's still a little bit slow on that end. And and I guess the one thing that I always find interesting is, uh, at least in my experience, and, and I know I've talked with other players about this before, is that when you come back from an injury, offensively, you're dictating the pace. You're dictating the tempo. You're dictating where you're moving. So you're in control. So if you're a a half step slow, a step slow, you still can kind of find advantages because you can find the ways to to use a move that can get you open and then you can figure out, okay, I'm not going to be able to finish like I normally do in this fashion, so I'll finish in this other way. And you can find ways to be effective offensively injured defensively, uh, especially with lower body injuries, when it's with your legs, with your groin, uh, with anything that requires your movement, you're reacting to defenders and you're react or you're reacting to the offensive players. You're reacting to, to what they're doing and you are react- reacting to your own defenders, your teammates, you're, you're reacting to where they go. So you have to, you don't get to control kind of the tempo and the pace there. You have to react and that's kind of where your injuries can show up a little bit more. So he's not there defensively yet, and I don't think it would be fair to expect him to be there defensively yet. Um, and, and you can even see it. There's times where he goes to a passing lane, and this is a steal you would have seen him make a, a year ago. The, he, he, he's he been quite good in the passing lanes for uh, the last couple of years, and obviously he had that huge... Uh, defensive real plus minus season where he was getting a bunch of steals getting a bunch of deflections and making a huge difference defensively uh not last year but the year before uh when the bucks were really uh going defensively in sweeney's system um you've seen him have those those years and make those plays but he's just not making those yet and there's times where a pass will go through his hands that he should have stole uh there you can just see he, he's he's trailing behind a little bit. But the exciting thing last night was offensively, there were moves that he made that are very much Chris Middleton. And maybe he's not making them to the same extent. He's certainly not playing the same number of minutes. Um, but 11 points in 18 minutes, that would get you a per 36, just double it all. So double it to 22 points, six assists, and four rebounds. And that's a Chris Middleton night from last year. That that would be what you're you're kind of expecting. Um, so he he kind of starts to look like himself offensively. That a couple of those turnaround fadeaways. That those are Chris Middleton moves. Those are the moves he makes when he's six foot eight. And he's got a little bit of size and. Um, again his playmaking was there as well and and I think that that's kind of the thing that stood out is that so often I, I mentioned it in one of our last pods is when you look at the end of clock situations this year they've they've got they've turned to guys that maybe aren't great in those situations with Giannis um who, who's still trying to figure things out but even even more of a problem has been the the, the possessions that go to Brogdon, the possessions that go to Delhi, uh, the possessions that go to Tony Snell, guys that just shouldn't have the ball late in clock. And with Middleton, you could see it last night, he got a bucket in one of those situations. And when that clock starts to roll down, he can make a play. He can get a shot off and it can be a good look. And I, I think you saw some of that Middleton 
come out last night and and that to me was very exciting and definitely something to watch going forward all right a little potpourri and let's get out of here um every time i've watched the pistons this season i've thought to myself how on earth have they won as many games as they have won and they've only won 26 they're 26 and 30 um obviously about a game in front of the milwaukee bucks who are sitting at 24 and 30 um but god i I, they're a boring team to watch they're not a fun team to watch they don't seem to make a ton of sense andre drummond just doesn't i mean he doesn't take over games i'm not sure he's gotten all that much better this season Reggie Jackson is has never been someone that I, I've really enjoyed watching play the game of basketball. Um, KCP hasn't taken a step forward. Stanley Johnson hasn't taken a step forward. It's just a team that's that's become very stagnant in kind of the way they play, the way their players have developed. It's ugh, they're just not fun to watch. <laughs> um, the they they play very forgettable basketball. I, I will say that. Um, I don't know. It's it's just interesting to think that this was a team with 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 Van Gundy that was on the rise that people were excited about, and I just haven't seen it. And uh, we'll see going forward. But man, that that might be a team that has to blow it up at some point. They they got some decisions to make with Drummond and uh, with KCP with Stanley Johnson. Uh, they're not in an enviable enviable position right now. So um, we'll have to see where they go. Um, Rashad Vaughn did not play a heck of a lot last night. He played one minute in garbage time. Before the game, I asked Kid, is there a point where Rashad has, has to play? The, I mean, we've seen games now where he's coming, he's been good for 20 minutes, and... Uh, kid gave me a bunch of cliches and, and didn't really answer the question but it, it appears that no matter what the the games Vaughn is going to get are the back-to-backs where they decide not to play Jason Terry for a game um, so I know that's happened a couple times on the second night of a back-to-back there's been times on the first game of a back-to-back where, where Rashad has played it seems like that's kind of what he's he's destined to get this season and like we said the other night uh, I, I just don't know if I get it. I know I know what they like about Jason Terry. I know Jason Kidd is a big supporter of Terry and believes that he can really make a difference with his leadership. And when you watch Jason Terry play, you can see that. Last night he hits a couple threes. He makes a couple extra passes. And you you can see the impact that Jason Terry makes. And, and I get it. But I do wonder if maybe those nights for Vaughn should come a little bit more frequently. Um, early in the year, it seemed like it was more every other. <laughs> I think there was a five or six game sequence where it was every other with Vaughn and Terry. And and I do wonder if, as the season winds down, if we get to see some of those again, because uh, I think the Bucks need to know at some point what Rashad Vaughn is. And maybe they're confident in him, and they know what they have in him. They're They're confident of their assessment of him. But... I don't know if I, I don't know if I believe that right now. I don't know if I believe they know what they have with Rashad Bond. So it's a tough spot. We'll have to see what they end up doing with Vaughn. Um, but it's just kind of weird, to, weird to watch him and watch watch the Bucks use him. So uh, we'll see where that goes. 
Uh, Thon was not great last night. Uh, 0 for 4 from 3. Uh, 3 turnovers. Had some passes that, that were not particularly good. And, uh, I mean, I, I think there's going to be nights like this uh, where, where Thon's shot doesn't fall, where Thon isn't able to find a way to make a huge impact in a game. And, and he was fine. Uh, he was... His plus minus was a zero. So uh, in those 17 minutes, maybe he, he didn't hurt the Bucks actively, but he didn't help the Bucks. Um, he struggled, but he's, he's a young guy, and, and those nights will happen. Uh, both point guards had had some assists, five assists for Delhi, five assists for Brogdon. Brogdon added seven points. Delhi uh, had zero points on the night, uh, only ended up taking two shots. So... I guess the point guards were fine. Um, go, continuing to go down the line, I, I'm curious if if Middleton and Monroe's chemistry, which Jason Kidd mentioned after the game, he, he joked how Middleton and Monroe seemed to to very much like playing with each other, and that was something we saw last year that those two guys did play well together and did have some chemistry, which makes sense because they are friends, um, but. Kid mentioned that those two have that good chemistry off the bench, and part of me wonders if this is going to start to cut into some of the chemistry that we saw from Brogdon and Monroe, um, because a lot of the middle to Monroe chemistry comes in pick and roll action, and that was kind of where Brogdon was getting some of his points and some of that give and go action the same way uh, with Brogdon and Monroe and Middleton taking some of that as well. So uh, we'll see if the Bucks can find a way to leverage Middleton shooting, leverage Brogdon shooting on the backside and try to create some, some actions, some sets around using the third, the third wheel, <laughs> whoever doesn't get to hang out with Monroe, uh, on that play, whoever is, uh, just watching it from the side, if they can create some action that involves that person, that after a pick and roll, there's a pass out to Middleton and then maybe another screen, or maybe it turns into a dribble handoff with Middleton. But if you can find some action that involves all three of those guys, all of a sudden, maybe, the the bench has some dynamic scoring, some dynamic playmaking um, that it didn't have earlier in this season. So uh, we'll see if if that's the case. And I guess finally we'll we'll end with Giannis. Thirty seven minutes for him, eight points, six assists, four rebounds, a steal, a block. I mean that's it's not what you want to see. Uh, you obviously want to see Giannis have these big nights, but. I never really got the feeling that he was out of the game, that he was not involved. He was still touching the ball quite a bit. He was still making passes. He was still dribbling in. He was still attacking. Um, obviously, the scoring wasn't there, but I, I never really got the feeling that, one, he felt that he needed to, and two, that if a play needed to be made, he wasn't there to make it. I, I did I did think there was times where he was attacking and then making the pass that got him one of the six assists or got him a hockey assist or something of that nature. So I, I wasn't as concerned about the way he played. I know, obviously, if you see Giannis only score eight points, have six assists, four rebounds, you're going to be freaked out and you're going to want more from him. But I don't know. It's just a strange balance at this point because – that's what fans want to see. They want to see Giannis tear it up. They want to see Giannis have big games. 
because that's what this season feels like it's about right now. But Giannis is a guy that likes to win. And when he's got Beasley going five for five to start the game and Monroe with a hot start, well, I, I don't necessarily know that I want to see him just start chucking up shots and forcing things. That that doesn't seem like something I want to see him do. And, and maybe I'm alone in that. Maybe I'm alone in Giannis continuing to play what I would say is good basketball, basketball within the flow of the game, basketball within the rhythm of the game. Maybe maybe I, sh- I shouldn't want that. Maybe I should want him to just go after his stats and try to shoot a bunch and try to put up a bunch of numbers. But it's just not me. And, and maybe and maybe Frank can come on here tomorrow and stand out a little bit for Giannis and tell me all the reasons why he needs to be shooting and all the reasons why he needs to be making something happen. But it's just not me, guys. So uh, we'll we'll see if we can get Frank back on here. We can talk about that. But the Bucks win, and I should I should be able to be more excited about it. But I don't know that people are. The Bucks win. Giannis doesn't have a great game, but still, Bucks win. That should be a good, happy day, a happy podcast, and hopefully it'll be happier when we get Frank back on here. Um, this has been Locked On Bucks. I thank you for listening and suffering through this. I've been Eric Name. I've been floundering without the help of my good friend Frank Madden. So uh, let's end this thing. Bucks win 102-89 over the Detroit Pistons, and we will talk to you tomorrow.